0: Hello and welcome to the Topical City podcast. I'm James and after a slanderous display last week from Richard, I have hijacked the Zoom call and given him a one-match ban. He's lucky he's not too though. I did see him at the weekend wearing his Spurs home shirt. He's a disgrace to the game. But thankfully, we do our transfer business like City and we'd already lined up our replacement before sacking Richard off. Dan, welcome back to your second podcast. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good.
1: Uh, just saying off the pod, uh, yesterday's uh, game went some way towards repairing my spirits. Uh, that and the Villa games to be fair, but yeah, I'm feeling a little bit better about about City again, which is, you know, it's good and no small feat, given the absolute shitstorm they put us through. Onwards and upwards.
0: Oh yeah, and Cam's there as well.
2: Aren't you the transfer?
0: <laughs> no, Richard tried to make it out that way. Why am I still
2: Why Why have I I, been allowed back?
0: I I can only get one ringer, so... How are
2: you doing, Cam? I'm not too bad. How are you, pal?
0: I'm good. I'm good, mate. I um, I introduce you second because I want you to talk us through the Etihad's table uh, because I'm sure you're going to put an interesting narrative on this this week, mate.
2: Gladly. Gladly. Been a bit of Uh, jiggery
0: poker going on, have not there?
2: I'll be honest, I can't remember exactly what the last table was on the last pod, but um, the most up-to-date one. I'm pretty sure, I well, I docked myself two points. I remember that much uh, because I dared not believe that Pep would come out and actually say something about the, the Super League, but he did. And I couldn't believe that I, I ever doubted him, so I docked myself two points for that. Uh, but I quickly won him back uh, with my little bet yesterday. And I bet that... We wouldn't score until after the 70th minute, and lo and behold, it came true. Uh, So that means, James, along with another point that I got for the scorer last week, that you've gone down a place that I've taken your place in the league. Uh, So Richard's still top with two. I'm second with minus one. You're third with minus one. And uh, maybe best I'll talk about, that.
1: Mate, I'm setting records.
2: Oh, this is the old James defence. <laughs> I've
1: started off badly, I mean to. The only way is up. Listen, a record's a record, man. <laughs> Do
0: you know what, mate? If you're anything like me, you'll get so many minus points and then you'll go, shit, I need to win some air." And I spent hours debating, like, researching some of the debate stuff to claw some points back to a point that was, like, somewhat respectable and then I've stopped caring again.
1: Dude, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I was absolutely sh- uh, shafted. Uh, last week Uh, we we were there to talk about football which is a subject that I am no expert on and then it was replaced with a chat about something I know arguably even less about which is essentially like a financial play for a new competition within football and where the pros and cons (laughs) would fit and so I can't I, I shouldn't have been expected to give an accurate lineup with all of that going on to be
0: fair, it was a bit of a clusterfuck. But to be fair, we, it give a nice lineup, up. we give the lineup. We every
1: week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, then I was I was uh, informed that I couldn't match anybody else's lineup, so which so was the tactic that I was going to lean on. So I thought, you know what, let's just go outlandish with it.
2: Well, I, <laughs> I think you see Richard error, for that error. The error of your ways there.
0: <laughs> Speaking of the uh, the Super League, obviously, I wasn't on that and really wished I was, to be honest, because I had a lot to say at the time, and so I'm going to jump on my soapbox for a couple of minutes, if you don't mind, boys, and put my point of view across, just as a bit of a therapy. Do we have yeah, to? Um, yeah, yeah, we Bye. do. Bye. I'm the host this week. I've got all the power, except you're recording it. So yeah, obviously, when the, first, the news first broke out, I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter, uh, I spoke to like Cam and Richard in, in our group chat, and I kind of felt a bit different to everyone else. And um, I've, I've since sort of heard a few, more, a few more responses that kind of resonate with me, and I appreciate that because I kind of felt a bit alone with it. But my, my point of view with it was that, you know, you saw these cases of, I thought our club was different, we're supposed to be the good guys, et cetera. But for me, the club changed as soon as the takeover happened and it's continued to move away from that ever since. So this didn't come as a shock to me that we, this had to happen for us to achieve success. You know, even we talk about Leicester, you know, that, that beautiful story, Leicester had a millionaire, like funding them. It's not the beautiful game of 12 you know, 11 mates got on the pitch and beautiful things happened. It's all business. And, you know, we we've accepted that change. You know, from the days of inflatable bananas and tits out, Jackie and all that stuff, to having Sergio Aguero and Pep and winning trophies, and for me, it hurts. It hurt a lot less this because I was under no illusion that this is a business. And you know, Cam, if you look back to some of the debates we've had, that you would come from it from a, an emotional point of view or a nostalgic point of view, and I'd be the one coming to it from more of a business point of view in terms of, you know, Aguero's earning 300 grand a week and we need to look at this from a balance point of view. So I, I, I saw all of this in in that light. And the only thing I cared about was, oh well, no, that's not true. The biggest thing I cared about was that I still got to watch City every week. And I understood that there was, you know, bigger parts to this. And it is a shame that money rules it all now. And if you look back at the changes over the last couple of years, there's loads of things we don't like, but we still continue to support our club. You know, if you think of, like, the prices sky-charge for football, they're behind the paywall, and that, that is something massive, that we love this game, yet a lot of people don't have access to watch it. You know, how much season tickets have increased, kickoff times that suit Sky rather than the fans and the, the travelling fans, even down to finance fair play, VAR, the list goes on. In terms of things that we're not happy about and things that we say are in the game, yet we still keep watching it. But I think what this has proved over the last few weeks, over the last week, is that there is a voice from the fans. And maybe now is a time to put some pressure on the club and, like, in quote, some fan service. So while they feel that they've got a PR repair job to do, it is time to put pressure on them to look at some of these things like kickoff times, you know, for the traveling fans, like season ticket prices, but most importantly, things like, you know, the racial abuse players are getting online. I think this is a bit of a catalyst for things that needs to change. Um, and I know I've kind of jumped around a few points but I was trying to sort of, um, summarize the way I've been feeling over the last week. And I listened to your guys pod and to be fair, I thought it was a really balanced view that you know, it was a it was quite close to when it was announced, wasn't it? You didn't have a lot of time to take it in. And I thought you all spoke about it very well. And I'm not saying that my view on this being a business, unfortunately a business, is right. I think it's just as correct that you guys came from it from an emotional point of view. Um but I just wanted to get my uh, got feels like therapy that I just wanted to get my 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 words out there for that one do you think i'm being a dick saying all that or what do you think well,
1: i take you i take your point i just what i'm not comfortable with is um obviously we know that it's a business it's, it's a money-making thing for for these owners <laughs> of course it is but j- just all of these other points that you're bringing up it doesn't absolve uh you know because it's a business decision doesn't absolve them of of like taking something and completely sort of transmuting it into something else the fact of the matter is when when pep came out and spoke about it which unfortunately hadn't happened at the point that we Mm -hmm. did that i thought he made that but that very salient point that should have been obvious to everybody like it takes away the spirit of competition you 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 are losing that there's no fear in in a loss It, it completely transforms the product that we're we've grown up with and, and not to coin like on, on a Liverpool thing, but it does mean more like it it has something about it. There's, there's, there's loss and there's gain and it's, but it's all on merit. It's not just, well, you know, these, this sort of, um, you've not, you've not just got these legacy clubs that are there just because, and, and they'll always be safe no matter what. And again, I can see where the business decisions are made in that, and I can understand how it makes sense, but it, you're looking at it from such a cold point of view. And you're right, probably isn't that surprising that they would start to look at things in those terms. But I think it, it's it's a good job that uh, our voices were heard on that, and it's been put to bed at least for now. But even so, it doesn't look like it's it's going away. And I do imagine that we'll hear more about it. Maybe in a different guise, but
0: yeah, it's gonna it's gonna come back with a different wrapper on it, isn't it? And yeah, everything you said there is fair. And I, I guess what I was trying to get across was my feelings around the club. Not necessarily, yeah. com- I agree completely that there needs to be a proper competition there, and you know, a threat of relegation, and the the wins and the losses need to matter. I I didn't want this to happen. I don't want this to happen. I'm just not surprised about the decisions the club made.
2: I don't think and any that... of us were surprised. I think it was, well, we, where we were coming from was just dismay that it was happening. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew why it was happening and the reason why we'd gone for it. it was just a case that we were 24 hours away from football as we know it changing forever. I don't think anybody would have been fucked if he'd just gone, we've, we've got a new European competition we replaced the Champions League with it. It's still the same thing. You still have to be good enough to get in it. Um, and if it was just to fuck off UEFA, nobody would have given a shit. Yeah, but yeah. It, it was the competition aspect of these 15 clubs are always going to be in that one league. That's that's what we were all fucked off about. More than I, I did the biggest U-turn. Like in the, I said at one point in that, that I'd still support City no matter what. And then the day afterwards, I was fuming. <laughs> <Afterward>. <laughs> yeah. I was like, if it goes through, I'm not doing it. I don't know if I can do it anymore. Um, and luckily it didn't, so I don't have to find out.
1: Come
0: on. Can we stop
2: talking about the European Super League now, please? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So I have got <laughs> one last question on it and then I'll move on. So do you think there's going to be any potential punishments coming in? I've, I've heard a few things like on different podcasts and seen on Twitter. I have my own opinion on it, but I'll keep that out until you guys have given me yours. Do you, see, do you see punishments coming down the line? And if so, what?
2: I think it, I don't think it'd be right to start taking docking tiles, docking points, at least this season, because all that does really is affect the fans at this point who have already been fucked over. I'm not against a points deduction if it was to happen at the start of next season um, as a punishment. I'm not, I'm definitely not against fines. Find the shit out of us, that's fine. I'd rather nothing obviously. But (laughs) if they were going to give us anything, I think fines are perfectly fine. I think points deductions starting from next season for all six clubs are fine. And I think, but I think anything more than that is a bit excessive.
1: Dan? I think I've fallen in the same same place, to be honest with you. And I I do feel like if you were to introduce points deductions this season, I don't think that does good for anybody either because that, again, sort of, I don't know what, what, what have you really gained from it? Like somebody else might win the league, but it's in the worst possible circumstances. It's hollow, isn't it? Exactly. It doesn't, and, and I think it affects uh, the players, the manager, and the fans, which are the, the groups of people that really aren't to blame for this. I've also seen a lot of calls for like maybe Soriano should step down or be basically made redundant. I'm not sure if I, if I, really want that even the the problem is with with our um owners and our our sort of upper management and whatnot they've got so much goodwill in the bank Mm -hmm. and it's quite as much as it it hurt all of that uh decision making process in x y and z it's still it's hard for me to say that i want somebody to to resign or lose the job over over a thing as bad as that decision was, uh, I'm not saying that I'll be personally properly affected by it if uh, if that did happen. And maybe it is the right thing, but it's not something that I'm hankering for. And I guess to be honest, I, I didn't really know what I wanted from it even in the process of talking it through last week. I'm not sure what's right, and I guess I'll only really know once once the punishments, whatever they may be, are doled out, whether I feel they're just or you know, more could be done. So it's quite a hard one to answer, I yeah. think.
0: Yeah, and that that seems to be the general general consensus with it. Um my my belief on it was I don't think it's fair to punish the fans, the players and the manager, as as you guys have said. I was speaking to a friend of mine today. And he's, he's like a Wednesday fan. And, you know, he's really not in the conversation in terms of it's affecting him personally. He's just got a general opinion on it. And he says there has to be a punishment. And one of the things he suggested was to take away prize money. And I said, the problem with that is that doesn't affect everyone. That only affects City currently. Like Spurs will be laughing. Arsenal be laughing. Arsenal, who were one of the main ringleaders of this, get away with losing absolutely nothing.
1: I but think. On that, sorry, just really quickly, is there not like a positional reward in the Premier yeah. League?
2: Yeah, but and, it's, it's getting fined a minimal yeah. amount compared
1: to our maximum. But, but for for Spurs, that is potentially massive. Like they've the, their business model needs. Revenues from everything. I mean, they are really. I'm sure we might end up talking about it later, but that is a that's that that could be a massive issue for Spurs. To it's lose a drop in the ocean at this guarantee. point, though, isn't it? If if you find them 20 million, they're one billion in debt or something like. No, but I know. But so that's exactly the point. Like they they they're going further and further into the red yeah. as it is to take away that guaranteed bit of income, you know. Could be, it could be really bad for them. So, who, think, think about
0: it though. Who's, who should get the punishment here? Really, it's whoever made the decision. So, for them to dock the team points or to find the team or the club, is that fair?
2: Yeah, I, the, well. the the CEOs are the figurehead of the club, so I think you've got to find a way to punish them without affecting the fans and the players, like you say, because it's it's not. On us, we we all came out immediately railing against it. Even the fans of the club weren't there for it. So I think you, you've got to, there has to be something. I don't, I don't think you can just get away with it because if we do, we'll just try it again in three or four years. So,
1: uh, we'll
0: can take... we not argue the point that they've already been asked, the, the board, the uh, CEOs have been asked to step down from their relevant positions within the Premier League, haven't they?
1: Yeah.
0: They shouldn't be yep. at
1: any of the sort of uh, Premier League. Uh, heads meetings. They, basically, they've been told that they'll be completely cold-shouldered. Effectively, they won't be. They won't parlay with them. Uh, so they need to find either a pro- essentially a proxy to send or yeah. leave the position.
0: Yeah, we'll send Chappy in instead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you imagine <laughs> Brendan the Kitman going in? Be top, it? just, <laughs> just pissed off. <laughs> just sliding across that desk. <laughs>
0: oh, right, man. let's let's get off this morbid subject. Ideally, right, let's let's quickly run through the Villa review because we've got Spurs, we've got a debate, we've got a PSG preview. So quickly on the Villa game. Let's talk about John Stones. You know, there was that early goal that he had a part in. There was the red card. Cameron, talk to me about John Stones.
2: It's one of them, you, you can see why he got sent off and you can see why you might argue that he shouldn't have been sent off. Seeing it slowed down, seeing it freeze-framed with his leg on his ankle is is damning. But at the same time, when you see it in normal speed, it just looks like a late challenge and it, it do not look particularly dangerous. So I can see why he got sent off. It's a bit frustrating and it was a stupid challenge that wasn't really necessary because we had... F- where there was like three guys around the guy as well. He was going wide. It wasn't a necessary challenge. Uh, like I say, he's got a lot of goodwill in the bank. John Stones at the minute. So if he has one bad game, gets sent off. Whatever. We got Laporte at the minute to, to back him up. So it's not the world. And he's, and he's kept himself rested and fresh for Wednesday. So, <laughs> you know, it's fine. It's fine. It, it was, it was going to happen eventually. He was going to have a bad game. At
1: least we didn't lose. I mean, for me... I didn't actually think the red card was the worst of it. I think they happen. Uh, it, it's unfortunate and, uh, you know, you'd rather not see it happen. I think maybe the mistake the mistake uh, leading up to the goal, he's gone with his wrong foot. It's, that's, that's a little bit more, you know, I, I think that's a, a little bit more annoying to see. I mean, I don't... I'm not going in double footed on him or anything. It those happen as well. It's so early in the game, and I think that we were just sort of like slapped into waking up there a bit. yeah the the one thing that you that you well, I'll speak for myself. The one thing I worry about sometimes with with stones is he does seem like a major confidence player, and you I don't know what his limit is with with this sort of thing. like does one mistake or the two in 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 one half? Add up to something much bigger in his head. Guess we'll find out uh, on Wednesday. Well, this is it. Well, I'm hoping that is because I, I, you've got to commend him for the mental fortitude of where he has been with this city squad. Like, didn't think we'd ever see him again. And this season, it's just like Phoenix rising from the ashes. It's it's, it's mental the resurgence that he's had. And I really, I've just so you've just got to commend the lad. And I I, I really. Really hope that it is the case that we'll get to this match against uh, PSG, and, and he's just gonna he's just gonna show why he's essentially been undroppable. But yeah, so I, to be honest, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that hard on Stones. I, I think th- those things happen. It's unfortunate, but it, it, where else has he really put a foot wrong for us?
0: Well, hasn't there been two cases of him making a mistake, but within the same game? Making amends for it. So in the England game, yeah. he assisted Kane's goal. And I'm sure there was, I can't think of it now, a game for us where he made a mistake, but
1: then he scored. I've I'm sure I then. So Now this is it. And and the, the problem is as well, games are coming with such regularity. Yeah, yeah. I think that a, a game from two weeks ago is like three months back. Yeah. It's, it's mental. Yeah. Well, let's move on to
0: uh, further praise for more players. Uh, Foden. Is he the most important
1: player in our team at the moment? At the minute. Well, one of two. the most important for England at the minute. (laughs) It's it's unbelievable, this
2: this kid. There are two names that should be right down on the team sheet whenever Pep is starting. I don't care if they're tired, and I don't care if if they've played two games before this one. If you don't have Bernardo and Foden on that team sheet to start, I'm already worrying about that game. Uh, When you don't have both of them on, like Leeds... I've resigned to thinking this is going to be one of those games because those two players are just... Bernardo's back up to his absolute best like in that first season he came over that first second season he came over and Vodan Jesus Christ man he was absolutely destroying Matty Cash like he couldn't do anything He, he... if you don't have those two players on the pitch, and that's not saying doing a disservice to Mares or Kev or anything like that, who are, who are absolutely outstanding at the minute, but those two players need to be every important game from now until the end of the season, those two players need to start.
1: Do you feel the same, Don? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, geez, it's just, you run out of superlatives for Foden. I mean, he's really, he really is that special. And to have of achieved what he's achieved at such a young age. And you just think back to all of the things, oh, they should be sending him out on loan. Now it's like a pet masterclass, like what he is now showing, what he's bringing to the table. And there was a lot of frustration in that first leg of the Dortmund Dortmund, uh, tie where he's missed. Mm -hmm. I don't know, he could have been, he could have had like four in that match. And it's that lack of celebration when he finally gets that goal. Like it's the bare minimum he expects for himself. And then... Just to go back to Villa, that no look strike, mate. <laughs> what the, <laughs> that is? I is else, that in it. That is so good,
0: so sweet. See, we're not even seeing the best of him yet, and no. I'm seeing calls on on Twitter and even a couple of podcasts that he he needs to be up there with Mbappe and Holland as the best best three in the world. And I separate them out a little bit. So I think Mbappe is separate to those two because Mbappe, correct me if I'm wrong, is a little bit older. He's won a World Cup. I, I think he's just just a little bit above. And I think Haaland and Foden as two 20-year-olds that are setting the game alight at the minute. And their potential, and I'd say, dare I say, Foden more so than Haaland at this point. He's, he's, you know, the sky's the limit for the lad. And imagine him when he's Kev's age, it's it's going to be scary, and I can't wait for it. Cameron, you you briefly mentioned Bernardo there.
2: Is he getting enough credit? Uh, Never. I don't think it's (laughs) possible. Even if people were singing from the rafters about him, it's not possible to be to credit Bernardo Silva enough with what he does. What's our favourite word about Bernardo Silva? Industry. Industry. (laughs) (laughs) He's... He's, he's, the, he's a proper old school daddy Tiato sort of player where he will not stop running. He won't stop going for that ball. And he, he's so needed when you've got a lethargic midfield that just wants to split the defence like every single chance they get. When you've got Rodri looking for that ball, you've got Kev looking for that ball, you've got Gundo trying to do intricate little passes. Sometimes you just need Bernardo running at a person or Bernardo bullying somebody off the ball or getting bullied by three players and going down and still coming away with the ball. Sometimes that's all you need. And, and you just notice when he's not there. It is so obvious when he's not playing. Um, you can't sing his praises enough. You really
1: can't. He's, he's a terrier. He, he just is constantly nipping at the heels. If, if, you, if you're trying to make a, a passing play, good luck if Bernardo's on the pitch because he's going to hound you.
2: He's a Paul Dickoff Danny Tiao, Nifelius <laughs> bastard. <laughs> he's just the best, and he should play every game that we need to win for the rest of the season. He should
1: be playing. Obviously, this is going back. I'll just, rem- I'll just um, say, I-, I remember when he was playing for uh, Monaco and and being at-, at the match at the Etihad and being like, "Who is this guy? He's, he's unbelievable." And then the p- moment that I-, I think I fell in love with him is is in the. The, the derby against uh, United, I think it must have been Pep's first title winning season. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but, um, you know, we're up. It's it's getting into like 90 plus change. He's got the opportunity to run it into the box. And just as he's doing it, he stops and takes it to the corner flag for the ultimate shit at Traff. And <laughs> it was fucking beautiful. And that was where I went, this guy gets it, man.
0: That's up there with the uh, Brunardo thing where he he just refused to clap for Liverpool. And the oh, when you the Honor. Guard of
1: Honour. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's
0: just drinking. A, he's a cult hero for that alone. Mate. Um, yeah. More Bernardo, please. We could do with two of them. Right, should we go for a quick break and come back and uh, have a chat about the Spurs game? Absolutely. You're listening to the Topical City
1: Podcast disagree with anything you've heard, don't forget to let the Etty Lads know at Topical City Pod on Twitter.
0: Hello, welcome back to the Topical City Podcast. I've just had a message from Richard uh, and he's just had his Harry Kane tattoo on his ankle, so uh, fully-fledged Spurs fan now. No going back.
1: He's always been a fan of a holding midfielder.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Um, so let's speaking of Spurs, let's uh let's get on with it so i did the agenda um before the Spurs game so i tried to predict what might happen i think my prediction was more interesting than what actually happened so, so should we just run through that can you believe we won five nil
2: i think i think only one of us was a, a decent predictor uh james on that day but, but it was me <laughs> let's not go back to that but okay
0: Mate, can can you believe Sterling missed three open goals? And as well, how how good was Foden pocketing Serge like in his little man bag that he puts over his shoulder? Like, come on.
2: I'm surprised they let him bring that onto the pitch.
0: (laughs) So Foden, mate, does what he wants. Right, in all seriousness, the fans were back in the stadium. How did you feel seeing it? Did it make a difference to you for the players? Dan, what are your thoughts on it?
1: Mate, honestly, it was the weirdest thing ever. It took me a while to adjust to actually. And I found myself also being like, is that space incorrect? They, <laughs> it, I, it, it's good, man. I, I like seeing it, and hopefully uh, it can build back up and we can get back to quote-unquote normality. But, yeah, it was weird, to me at least. I, it it took some um, a couple of double takes, really, where I wasn't <laughs> quite... Uh, ready for the the reality of it but man I, it's one of those where you look at it and it it's just a great thing isn't it especially on those days where there's a, there's a, there's a trophy uh, presentation and whatnot you want fans to be present for it and yeah i think i think it was great and i do think that it it it, it may it, well it didn't for spurs but i think for city it it felt like it was they wanted to put on a a show, and you know, for the what the what the score line was, I I didn't I felt like we were really pushing for more and probably deserved more out of it.
2: Before I go any further, uh, you know, I'm a big movie fan, James. It was the uh, the Oscars this weekend. I Don't know if you know. Um, I'd say
0: what's coming here
2: now? No, I'm in now? i just gonna order. just gonna you know work in a bit of that 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 love that. So you know, it was the trial of the Tottenham 11 when wasn't it? uh When it all came down to it.
0: You know you're not hosting this week, don't you? You don't get your moment in the sun. It's happening
2: anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do it all in one go. i for them throughout, the, throughout this conversation. Don't we? Okay, I'm, okay. I, 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 I like the fans being there, but I was getting sick of Martin Tyler talking about it like it was the second coming.
1: I think I would I would follow that up with them getting sick of Martin Tyler.
2: My my favourite bit, we were watching it and uh, Richard said that we couldn't, Put it on the other channel because it wouldn't have the fan noise. That's how he ingrained <laughs> he was. <won his> ga- <laughs> because Sky Sports main event has the fan noise, but Sky Sports Premier League doesn't have the fan noise. <laughs> so he was, <laughs> it's so ingrained in his head that. Such um, a hypocrite. <laughs> that, it's, that it's there now that he was like, oh, wait, no, there's actual fans, so the fan noise will be the <laughs> Like I say, I like to see it, but it fucked me. I'm, I was so sick. it. More like 80,000. Oh, <laughs> Come on, pal. Like, it's nice that they're there, but Jesus Christ. He's clearly been
0: told to ham it up, hadn't he? Um, awful. But let's let's get on to the actual game. So rather than talking about necessarily the whole process of it, because we've got a lot to get through, I kind of picked out Laporte because obviously there's a, a little bit of controversy around him. Obviously got the winning goal as well. But just on the booking or not booking... I know Gary Neville was very insistent that he should have been off.
2: This but properly thought, annoyed me. Like, I thought he did go off. I thought he got sent off. Yeah, it did say, yeah, card Because Sky pretty. was so insistent that he should have been booked for this <laughs> challenge that they put that he had a booking. And yeah. they never cleared it up, as far as they I know
1: they, they did. The commentary, like, oh. shortly after, did say, oh, just to be clear, he hasn't been booked. But I'm not really sure why it showed the graphic, because at no point did Tierney reach for his pocket or anything. Well, it's because
2: they were so sure that he was, should have been booked that um, they hadn't. And, you know, th- whether he is or not, that, that's one of those things where some people say yes, some people say no, he should have been booked. But you can't argue that if he had have been booked, that second challenge wouldn't have happened. <laughs> Not a chance he's he's doing that tackle if he's on a oh, said He's not. leaving that to Diaz. He's leaving that to Fernandinho. Not a chance he's making that tackle. So he would have been on the pitch by the end of the game. So I'm not having none of this if it had been right. He was the father, it's another film, of our game yesterday. Uh, and there's not a fucking chance that he would not have been on. He would have topped that second challenge and he wouldn't have been on the pitch by the end of the game. It's fine. We won it fair and square.
1: That's what I was saying to, to Mike, my, my brother. It was just like, it's as if they see everything unfolding exactly the same if other yeah. instances, like they don't... It's just mental. He's, he's a professional uh, and very experienced defender. There is no way if he's already on a book and he goes in for that. Just nonsense. Absolutely not, I'm not saying that nothing else happens. It's just... Why do you think that because he'd have the yellow card earlier, he would then commit to doing that? I don't it know, man. It was a decision
0: he made, wasn't it? It wasn't like an accident or a panic. He chose to body check him because yeah. he knew he could afford to do it. And he was later in the game. It was a Fernandinho tackle at the end of the day. It was it was a calculated decision. I'm glad we're all on the same page with it. But obviously, he went on to score the winning goal. However... I think we need to set up a petition to still give Spurs this trophy because whatever that fucking dance was he did after he scored He does it all the time. Not the first time he's done it. (laughs) And literally, I was ecstatic, started to celebrate, and he did that. And I sat back down in my chair and felt sorry for myself. So I thought, I I was sat watching it with a Spurs fan. I went, mate, you can have the trophy for that. That's embarrassing. That's up there with Pogba dabbing. Like, what's it about? Do we know?
2: No, but at least he don't score that often.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised Diaz didn't go over to him and just slap him for that because that's not something Diaz would ever, ever do. Um, but yeah, end, end of the day, you know, you got winning goal. We won the cup. Who was your man of the
1: match, Dan? I think, I, you know what? Watching it, I, I honestly thought mares was, was my man of the match. Felt like he had an absolutely... I thought he was brilliant, to be honest with you. Yeah. But he played excellently. I do want to give uh, a little bit of time. Maybe we can talk about this after. That's the best game that Sterling's had for a long yeah, time for me. I agree. The end product thing is st- <laughs> still looming large. But he did um, look
2: dangerous. That was the thing. That was he did. the massive. No, thing. absolutely. They actually looked dangerous for us.
1: No, the thing with Sterling uh, that's really... Bugged me with with his more recent performances is just a complete indecision uh, on his part. He he seems to get caught up in his head too much and he's he's not being decisive. And I don't think you could say that about him uh, in in the final yesterday. I thought he was he was taking actions. He looked decisive and he did look dangerous. Ultimately, it didn't come to pass. But I would say that uh, despite that, I, th- I do feel like Maras looked really good. And, and made some excellent plays.
2: Yeah, I just want uh, to say as well uh, that Phil Foden was a, a promising young man. <laughs> uh, it's another film, uh, and I just couldn't stand the sound of metal when you know he got tipped onto the post.
0: Finally, done a modern one, yeah. Yeah,
2: that's that's, <laughs> the, that's
0: a fault. <laughs> I think you're right about Sterling, Dad. Dad. hopefully it's it's um, the right side of a bell curve for him now, he's going to work his way back up. Did you say you picked Mars as well, Cam?
2: I struggled because I didn't, I didn't think anybody was massively above anybody else. But if I was going to pick somebody, yeah, probably Riyad. Fair play.
0: Right. Before we get into the debate, anything else about the Spurs game? Yeah,
2: well, I want to finish me? off my film thing.
1: <laughs> Can I just make one point very quickly before we we wrap up on the highs of the yeah. points then? Uh, I, I don't know if you saw this, but apparently the average uh, position, at least in the first half, for, uh, for Harry Kane was he was playing behind Harry Winks, which is just a, an absolute disgrace. Was he actually fit? It because showed I, a
2: lot of it showed the tactical gap, did it? Mason yeah. just wasn't ready for that game. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah. the stage was set, and thankfully it didn't happen. Uh, luckily they were beaten by the Manx um, and it was there was certainly no it wasn't no madland land in in my house at least we were all happy uh, right up until the 90th minari. wow <laughs> you don't also the other one is Judas of the Black Messiah but don't that one's out. difficult no, and, yeah, yeah. And, and Jesus didn't play so I can't really can't really yeah, work it get that one
0: <laughs> hey, I'll just put Kick a little it ed- out <laughs> i'll just put a little editor note in here for richard um just delete all that shit cameron just said mate <laughs> nice one right um people moving, love it moving swiftly on we only have one fan mate it's person yeah and he loves it <laughs> um right let's move on to the debate it's nice and refreshing not to have to do a debate and just to uh, cast my judging eye over you both So we will jump straight in with number one, which is which one of the English clubs can justify joining the ESL the most? Who would like to go first?
2: I'll happily go first. I'll I'll go second so I could not talk about the European Super League for another five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) um,
0: Just so you know, I have a gale cliche for each of you on this one.
2: Danny, you aware of what a gale cliche
1: is? I, I, I am. I have listened in before. And he's our
2: fan, what are you on about?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've only got one working here, that's how I put up with it. <laughs> yeah, we pan cams at the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you can put him on the right. <laughs> so, um yeah, so giving it a bit of thought. I may I mean I basically preempted what I was gonna say about this earlier in the uh earlier in the recording, but um, I think Spurs is the one that I'd have to point to. Obviously, the incredible amount of debt that they're in for bringing that stadium uh, project to life, only for it to then, you know, be empty for basically, well, what, a season after it was opened? Their, Their business, they need to get fans in seats. They need to have their artisanal uh, told in the hole, sold at thirty quid a portion or whatever <laughs> they might be charging for it. They've got no uh, silverware. They're just they're not get, They're not getting competition money, as you rightly allude to, uh, and they've got a relatively paltry amount coming in for wherever they're going to finish in the league this season. So really, seeing the ESL. You know, as a guaranteed bit of income, but also like ready lump sum coming in from whatever deals they had with JP Morgan and the like. I think that Spurs on balance is the one that you'd have to look at as like they need that cash injection really, really badly on top of getting back to normality, of course. But that I think that them getting into the ESL was uh, something that Levy would have been looking at, smacking his lips and rubbing his hands together, going, oh, "Thank God we really need this as quickly as possible." Whether or not they deserve to be in a European Super League for me is is really <laughs> the bigger question. Because on balance, I think it's absolutely laughable that they could be considered in the same bracket as 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 us. Certainly, us. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe Arsenal, but um, yeah, I don't know. For me, they're, they're the ones that that you'd really look at and say th- they really need that that guarantee of money coming in and fast. Fair enough.
0: Tam, who have you picked?
1: Going the Gooners. My, my Arsenal.
2: Goodness. Please don't come after me, Arsenal fan TV. <laughs> they're just they're the club that are in the most danger of losing their perch. Are they like day they're, they're, constantly finishing below Tottenham now. Tottenham were literally just in a, a Champions League final. They were just in a League Cup final. Arsenal are the team that, again, if there was a points deduction tomorrow, might get relegated. <laughs> they just, they're the team that need guaranteed European competition more than anyone else in the big six to stay relevant because you don't actually know whether they'll get it year on year. I think you'd be playing fast and loose with your money if you were to put a bet on them, getting in Europe every year, Um, especially the way things are going at the moment. So, yeah, I've gone with Arsenal because I I just think they they just need to stay relevant, and that's the best way that they could have, have done that based on what was on the table. I don't know. The thing about Spurs is, you're right, they need the money. They do need the money. Every club needs the money. Spurs are in a more precarious position than most. But at the end of the day, they're not going anywhere. Somebody will always be there to bail out Spurs, whether it's a European Super League or new investors or Daniel Levy charges 600 million quid for Harry Kane. They don't, they don't need to be in because they'll, they'll, they'll still get in the Champions League. They'll still finish third or fourth. They'll still get to those positions. You can't guarantee that with Arsenal. Uh, and there'll be just as much money troubles, maybe not as much, but they will be in money troubles too. They need that guaranteed European competition a lot more than Spurs do, uh, so I've gone with that. Fair enough,
0: Danny. Do you have any uh, response?
1: Are you happy? No, I mean uh, <laughs> that it is those two London clubs are a bit a bit of a joke, really, aren't they? I mean, I, I I understand it from a point of relevancy why you would get it, but I do feel like a lot of this, as as we said earlier. Was sort of a, sh- a shrewd business decision based around increasing your financial margins. So I- 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 I've opted to look at it through that spectrum. I don't doubt that. Obviously, there's 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 a relevance to, to to keeping clubs in this sort of elite tier, but it's it's how much do you buy into that as being an elite tier? It's a completely new and fabricated competition. So it's only relevant in so much as the fans embrace it in that spectrum.
2: I'd argue there that if you compare the two clubs though, Arsenal need that relevant, like cherish that relevance of being an elite club more than anybody almost because they were at one point the best team in Europe in 15 years ago, where they were invincible. They, they, they were up there with that team. So they cling on to that. Eliteness and relevancy more than maybe any club, maybe barring United. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> mate. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's one, so, nine. again, that's, that's just more reason why they need to be considered in that elite competition. Whereas, you know, Spurs can get in what is currently the elite competition pretty much no issue. They'll finish third or fourth, they'll get in it. Arsenal, you've got no chance. You don't know these days. And uh, maybe next year, they'll, they'll be completely mid table. Um, so yeah, I, I think the financial aspect is, is the main reason of it. But the main reason, and the reason these 15 clubs were chosen, was because they're considered elite clubs. And for a club that is staring down the barrel of becoming very irrelevant and very unelite, you can't turn that down.
0: Great, right? I'm ringing the bell there. Spurs might lose
2: Kane,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then where are they?
2: Bell's gone. You can't take it into account.
1: <laughs> That's the low blow. Ah,
0: right. So that'll get very interested right at the end. Uh, so I'm going to side with Cam on this, but I was with Dan and right until the end. And Cam, you swung that by talking about how important it is for Arsenal to remain elite or come back to being elite because really Spurs haven't had that. Um I, I was I was leaning to Spurs before you both started. I thought Dan made a really good point of they're on the precipice of financial ruin. Um but for what the Super League is about, it is about protecting that eliteness and elitism. And yeah, that, that kind of resonated with me. I think Richard might have to make a deciding call here on um if a Gael cliche has been hit. So, so, what I wrote for my Gael Cliché was someone mentioning selling Harry Kane.
2: (laughs) It was after the bell. It came after the bell. (laughs) It was after the bell. But... (laughs) Well, it depends where Richard puts the bell in. (laughs) Exactly. So, that's up to Richard to
0: decide. However, Cam also mentioned Daniel Levy charging what he wanted for Harry Kane,
2: Hmm. which,
0: for me, is on the edge. So... I will
2: uh, let Richard... I mean, I'm happy to have a gentleman's agreement with Daddy that neither of us lose the point. <laughs> well,
0: I think, I think it'd be more fun if um, Richard just pops up with a little audio moment around about here.
3: <laughs> All right, ety lads. I'm here in the Stockley Park editing studio. Pretty pissed off that I've been called in to do some video assistant refereeing for this one, but thinking of actually docking James some points here for poor hosting that he can't make the call himself. As loath as I am to set a precedent for intervention, I think I'm going to have to here. So the official ruling is that the bell came before Dan makes his guile cliche, so he will not be deducted any points. However, during the debate, Cameron said, and I quote, Daniel Levy charges 600 million for Harry Kane, end quote, which is mentioning selling Harry Kane. Thus, the decision is that Cameron wins the debate, earning himself a point, but then loses that point by hitting the gal cliche between the bells.
0: Cheers, Richard. Thanks for your import. I completely agree. Um, right, well, I, I
1: got you
2: cunt? Let me come up with two responses just in case. So, yeah, you're a cunt, Richard, and I never liked you. Oh, Cheers, mate. Thanks for being lenient.
1: I can't believe you would treat the only handicapped member of this podcast with such <laughs> disrespect.
0: Right, so that should give him some fun in the editing booth. Uh, straight on to uh, debate question number two. So we've obviously had one current and we'll go to one that's a bit more nostalgic just to keep Cameron happy. Thank you. So which pre-Pep transfer was the most exciting? Cameron, would you like to first, this
2: one? Uh, I've gone uh, for, as the man on the Manchester City 2002-2003 season DVD calls him, Nicola Anelta. Uh, I just picked him because... Who'd have thought we'd signed Nicholas and the season after coming up from the from the Division One? Like he was still playing, he'd just been loaned to Liverpool, who were you know top four club at the time. He'd recently he was loaned from PSG, you know best club in France. He'd played for Madrid, he'd played for Arsenal. Who'd have thought Little City would sign at the, at that point a top class striker um, in their first season back in the Premier League? We now know that it was money, and, and we now know that it was the first step on a on a long way down to the likes of Bolton Wanderers and West Bromwich Albion. <laughs> um, but at the time, the fact that we could we had the pulling power to sign a player like that, I think was very exciting. Uh, usually, when clubs come up, they sign Charlie Austin, who just went down, or. You know, just some random shit striker that'll do you a job in the Premier League. But he was he was Nicholas and Elker. He was he was the a star basically. So to sign him, I think was was massively exciting and, and definitely a good omen for the season to come, especially seeing where we finished in the end. Dan, who
0: do
1: you think was more excited than Nicolás? Mate, there was there was one answer for me, and it, it has to be Rubinho. Just in in the context of everything, obviously we know that uh, Shinowatra came in and it was what what we later found out to be a difficult set of circumstances. <laughs> but you would nobody ever thought that a player of that uh, level of excitement and caliber would would come into a Manchester City squad. I mean, I was actually when I was thinking about it, I decided to look up some of the other uh, scorers in that team. I, I actually had forgot Rubinho finished as top scorer for the season because uh, I remember his, his time not to being the most successful, but that isn't really the point of it. I think the, the excitement surrounding him. But if you look at the team, uh, Stephen Island, second top scorer with 13. You've got the likes of uh, Benjani and Joe, Gelson Fernandez. In there as well, and I think that's the thing. You you, you think back to it. Benjani was seen as quite an exciting prospect when he was signed, but nothing of the likes of of Rabinho That I think at the time felt like cheat codes in Pez. Like, wow, how <laughs> the city managed to pull this one off, and just in in terms of that context of having nothing like that sort of world awe inspiring world-class calibre uh, player, I don't think anybody could have fathomed it and say what you like about maybe he thought he was going to Chelsea or everything else that got banded at us at the time. There is no doubt that there wasn't a lot of green-eyed uh, <laughs> envy from from rival fans. And I, I'm not sure that we could quite believe it was happening to plucky little city getting Rubinho.
0: Fair enough. Carmen, any last words?
2: Uh, Well, I was going to say something and I was going to shout at you beforehand because if it turned out to be a guy cliche, I was going to be very upset because it was the only real argument that you could make. Uh, And Dan has just said it and I don't want to repeat it in case the same thing happens again where I get dot points for being entrapped into saying (laughs) the same thing. He said a certain thing about him joining a different club. Now, you could argue that that was just paper talk. But he said that he thought he was joining another the club, yeah. and I think the sting of of being told that you were the second choice up until the last minute is takes away from that excitement a little bit. It, it, it's just that I, I know as soon as he said that I was just like, we're going to be a laughing stock. Like we we've just come in and he can't even say it was like like that player who came and said. Uh, who said Man United. <laughs> well, I thought I was signing for Man United. I can't remember who it was. Um, but it's just so disheartening and so gut-punching to be getting in with the big boys and then a player thinks he's signing for somebody else. <laughs> so <laughs> that that's my argument against Rubinho. Um, but that—that that is the only argument that I can come up
1: yeah, I mean, but the reality is you still did sign with us and we were getting a player who everybody was excited about. So I do take your point because it is like, well, ah, fucking hell. But at the same time, no, you, you're still wearing the shirt. We've seen him holding up the shirt and we, we knew the reputation that he had and it was like, fucking hell, how have they done this? My other, my other point, actually, that has just come to me now. I noticed
2: the, the format of the question, James, was which pre-PEP transfer is the most exciting. And I start to say most exciting when they signed, that could be true to say across their whole Manchester City career, uh, if you were to to read the exact words of the question. (laughs) And I would say Rubinho's end to his City career was very, very disappointing, (laughs) very, very
1: upsetting. Uh, I would like to apply the mischief rule, and I don't believe that that was the spirit of the question. (laughs) We've had a lot of of arguments about
2: spirits of the question.
1: Well, I'm clinging desperately to do that now, knowing what's going on.
2: I'm just putting it out there. Nicholas and Elka was very excited across his entire city career. Rubidio, not so much. But I would be interested, Dan, have you got an argument against
1: Nicholas and Elkin? Nicola and Elka. I think I know. I think he's a great, great addition to a squad, and I do, I do rate him. But he, I, I still wouldn't have picked uh, Nicola and Um I think if I was looking at alternatives to Rubinho, I can tell you the other two that I came up with. I remember being extremely excited by George Weah coming to us, <laughs> which I honestly I stand by. I was very excited by that that prospect, and also. If you were going to like go nostalgia bait, welcoming Sean Wright Phillips back into the squad, yeah. I think there was a little bit of a tickle of excitement.
0: I think if you'd picked Sean Wright Phillips, even Cam would have chided with you on that one, mate. <laughs> yeah.
2: I think, I just want you to know, James, no downsides to my side, all right? While you're making your decision, no downsides <laughs> to my player. So, uh, well,
1: right, I'm deaf in one ear and I think that you should <laughs> be. like Playing
0: the sympathy card. Right. Ooh. See, for me, very similar situations for both of them. I don't think either of them really wanted to come to City. Um, and they were clearly both a level above
2: where we were at the time. I think you're reading into the fact that Adelka It's documented that Rubinho didn't really care about coming to City. We don't know about Adelka.
1: Anelka was... later did a racist gesture while playing for another club. <laughs> it wasn't it So wasn't you city. City supporting a racist.
2: I'm just saying that racist was excited. That's all, all I'm right, saying. Right, right. <laughs> right. On your head be it, James. Right. That's what ding
0: ding, 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 ding. Right, stop, because this is going to go down and alley we don't want to go down. Um, yeah, fucking hell. Um, <laughs> it's tough, this. Do you know what? I'm going to go with my gut on this one. About who I was most excited about.
2: That's not what the debate is for. <laughs> I knew that would wind you
0: up. Um, well, put it this way. I had a decision in mind uh, who I naturally would go for and the other person had to convince me otherwise. Seems fair. Yeah. I well, remember the, this. It was going to be you, mate, but I'm going to pick Dan now for that. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you for a second. <laughs> I tell you what, I'll uh, I will offer up a bonus point for anyone who you get one guess each. What the Gael Cliche was going
2: to be? I don't know. I mean, I thought it was going to be the the Chelsea thing. Yeah, I that's think why I was had so, his guess. <laughs> I was so sure that you were going to say it that I was ready to shout you down for it. Um, but
1: other than that, I don't know. No, I'll be honest, Jim. i have not. I'm not a clue. No. To be honest, I would have thought that actually, after having said it, I was like, "Fuck, did I, no. did I just step in it?"
0: Uh, no, I had this silk down.
2: As so I only I could get the cliche. No,
0: because <laughs> Dan could have been putting an Elka
2: down. Yeah. Um, all right. Is is Dad actually getting a point there, or yeah, are you yeah. spited me for a point? No, I was,
0: I was picking Dad
2: anyway for that one. Oh, okay. I was all, all the way. Well, just so you know, you've upset Dad because he wanted to have no points. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I want to level it out at a perfect zero by the end. And as I understand it, I'm on negative at the minute. So. Yeah, it's a long road, mate. I've been there. <laughs> Richard,
2: Richard, if you could record just how much of a travesty this was, considering I had a fully positive. That's why I put it in here. <laughs>
3: Fuck off, Cameron.
0: Cheers, Richard. Right, we'll be back after this last break and we'll uh, preview the PSG game. Don't worry about it.
1: We may be fans of the best team in the land and all the world, but sometimes life isn't always great for everyone. You can make life a little bit better for someone else by donating to your local food bank. Visit MCFC Food Bank on Twitter for more information
0: and for their GoFundMe link. Welcome back to the last section of the Topical City podcast. Uh, it's a long one this week, boys. We'll finish off with uh, the PSG preview. It's a big game coming up. How does this compare to the previous big games in the Champions League over the last few years? You know, Dortmund in the last round, Madrid last year, dare I say it, the Spurs game.
1: Just, just, is this right up there for you, Dan? It's it's pretty massive, and it's it's strange because obviously we've had the better of PSG in the past, uh, but right now they they do feel like a, a bit of a different proposition. I think that everybody can say that, and I'm not even sure. Um, I mean, obviously Neymar looks looked very good in that return leg against Bayern, but I think it's that it's that excitement of Kylian Mbappe. Um, as such a dynamic force going forward. But as, as we said earlier, I don't think we should lose. We shouldn't let that blind us because we do have you know, weapons in our arsenal that are, that, are, that should be scary in their own right. We, we talked rightly about Phil Foden being uh, a, a force to be reckoned with. Obviously, KDB on his day... Not only in terms of what he contributes in terms of passing, play, uh, and assists, KDB is a guy that can absolutely grab the ball by the horns and force a point, and you know get the get a goal where we need it. And we shouldn't we shouldn't lose sight of that. Uh, that said, I do I do stand by PSG. Look a bit scary. I'm just hoping it doesn't turn into. Uh, a basketball match and we, we can play our natural game and, and kind of try and constrict that midfield a bit, slow it down, play on our terms and not get too starstruck or overwhelmed by the, the attacking talent that PSG obviously possess.
2: We're going to have to have a perfect defence. I think I think nobody in that bat line is going to be able to put a foot wrong.
0: Sorry, Cam, I was going to say, do you think this is as big as the other those games I mentioned over the last couple of years?
2: I, I think it's case. bigger. It's the semis, isn't
0: it? No, but I mean, in terms of the team we're facing,
2: the the
0: expectations. But that, are...
2: That's what I mean. I think. I think. I think it could be bloody real, Sashi Dad, in the Champions League yeah. semi-final, and it'd still be the biggest game, biggest team we've played because it's that final hurdle to being in a final. So uh, yeah, I, I don't think we've ever been in a game as big as this, apart from when
1: that charming man got us in. Mate, that was a damp squib, though, that one. Yeah. We, we, we we should have bossed that. That's yeah. so annoying.
0: He didn't have the energy, did he? To, he, just, he seemed like he just wanted to roll over.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I just I think you can't overstate the size of this game. You can't overstate how we are going to have to play perfect for two legs, I think. Yeah. Because they're, they're, their forward line is just too good. I, I don't think their defence is all that. I don't think their midfield is all that. And I think our midfield boss is theirs any day of the week, but their attacking lineup is insane. And Ruben Diaz and John Stones, hopefully Cancelo and Zinchenko, are going to have to absolutely put nothing out of place, no foot wrong for for 180 minutes, I think.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think, as as you said, the PSG, I think it was Dan that said it, PSG are scary. But I think for me, There's almost been a shift from PSG. The way that they act, their whole demeanour. I think it was a case of they were trying to get up to the big boy table and they are a bit of a pretender. And now this almost feels like their time, the way they played in this competition. I know they're not doing it in the the French League at the minute as much as they should, but there seems a bit of a swagger and an arrogance about PSG at the minute that I've not seen before. Are you guys feeling
1: that as well? Or is that just me? You think that might just be Neymar, to be honest with you, pal? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, think to be uh, honest, I think a lot of people think that about us. Like really?
2: so many people say we're gonna win the Champions League. And they won't think that unless we put out the vibe. Like we're City fans, so we think, God no, there's no chance. But a lot of people have predicted we'll win it. So there must be that level of swagger around us that we just we're city blind and
0: can't see. I, I mean on the pitch though. Like I don't I don't see us on the pitch like that. I see us being clinical, robotic and ruthless. But I, I see I, I don't know, I just I just feel a swagger on the pitch from from PSG that like even going up against Bayern, that I know Bayern pinned them back, but it, it felt like they looked at them like they were equals rather than oh my god, that's Bayern Munich, you know. It,
2: You'll see that swagger for us when Serge comes on 10 minutes before the end of the second line and we need a goal.
0: You're going to go to the grave as a surge loyalist, aren't you? Absolutely. Ah. <laughs> Nothing
2: um, would give me greater else...
1: satisfaction, to be fair.
2: Oh, yeah. Is anybody else a bit scared that, um, considering how great that forward line is, that you might see
1: Rodri Fernandinho? <laughs> uh, yeah, what just... scares me more is, is, is playing like a back three uh, and... I'm not sure. I like that. I think that we need to play our natural game.
2: That's what I think. But we we know we know as long as I don't
1: see fucking Blinder on a right wing or something equally as stupid as that. Like I don't know if you remember that Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. What this this boils
0: down to is is Pep gonna Pep or is Pep gonna keep his wits about him? And if he does, (laughs) we we play our own natural game. And if he if he panics. That's when you'll see two holding midfielders. That's when you'll see three at the back, you know, Gundo and in there or something. it just depends on which Pep
2: shows up. I think you have to you have to do something special to counter Mbappe and ne- Neymar. But two holding midfielders is not the play. What, so, what can you do though? And besides, I would rather see a three at the back in there for pace. I'd rather see a three at the back with with probably Fernandinho. Because his positional play is just so important against those... In, those in the defence?
0: No,
1: sacrificing
2: no, in, front, in front of the... I'd rather see... So you don't have Rodri? You have three centre-backs and further. If it was me.
1: That's what so, I'd rather see. So, so what? Uh, Diaz, Stones, Laporte, then yeah, just, Fernandinho just, holding?
0: It sends yeah. a message to them, I think, if we change our system. Yeah. sends a message to them that we're scared of you and we'll have yeah. a bit of a
1: wobble. For me, this is a stirring contest and you've just got to go in. Don't blink. Play play the game that we, that we play. We should be setting this on our terms. That's I hope exactly so. what I'm saying that about. Is. We we could we can definitely control that midfield. Their midfield's Varati. And, and that's if he's fit. I don't actually know if he's fit. And then I don't think their defence is great shakes. I think Kaylin Avis is capable of having like like a lot of really good reflex saves, to be fair. But I don't think we should be fearing that. What we need to concentrate on is not getting in our heads and, and actually finishing chances where we can. And we will get options if we play the natural game. As soon as you start inviting that double pivot or God knows what else, you you, you are probably slowing it down way too much and inviting yeah. pressure upon yourself. We shouldn't be doing that. we, we need an the attacking midfield. side.
2: We need yeah. the midfield. And, and that's why you need Bernardo.
1: Yeah, Bernardo. Yeah, absolutely. Bernardo, KDB. And then it's one of those, right? So with Rodri, I I can find him, I think that he probably is the right call, but there are times where I really miss that dynamic Fernandinho forward ball. Like he is somebody who is capable of like playing an exceptional uh, passing move. And I feel like Rodri, uh, sometimes, and I, I might be getting a bit too selective with examples, but... I feel like he, he is more of one to play the sideways pass, the safe pass.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Fernandinho.
1: And he might come I love time, it, but...
0: I can't I'm wrong, Gare, because I'm just pl- plugging this out. Fernandinho played 90 minutes, right, in the cup final?
2: I'm
0: not sure uh, if uh, no, he went No, he went off
1: because Rodri came on, didn't he?
0: Right. So he's played the majority of a game. Do you see him starting? The thing not is, understand.
2: Fernandinho doesn't need to run. That's the whole point of this. I I agree with, I I love Rodri and I know he's going to come really good at some point. He has already, to be fair. But he's going to be in there for ages and he's going to be fine. But the problem being, if Neymar gets past, if Neymar and Mbappe get past Rodri, he's gone. No way Rodri's catching those two. Same with Fernandinho, though. Fernandinho's not going to catch him, but they're not going to get past him because he'll already be ahead of them. He'll have decided 15 minutes ago, I need to be in this spot in 15 minutes Mm -hmm. because Mbappe is going to be running through. (laughs) So
3: that's
2: why you play for... His positional play is worth so much more than anything Rodri gives, I think, in a big game. And he doesn't need to run, so he can play two games in a week. week. (laughs) So I would play Fernandinho in the big games because I just think his positional play is too important. Rodri just gets caught out. Very often.
1: In answer to your question earlier, James Fernandinho played 84 minutes, so he wasn't far right. off playing the yeah. 90. I knew he got, I knew he got hopes for Rodri, but I, I actually thought it was a bit sooner than that.
0: Yeah. Uh, but
1: even so, playing him two games. I mean, what, is he 36? He's 87, mate. <laughs> yeah, he's brilliant, mate. I absolutely love him. No, um, I love it. I want, I want him to get a new contract. I, I, I'd I'd happily sign him to a rolling yearly contract, mate, and then like maybe even start trying to introduce him into that coaching setup. Yeah. I think he's that. I think he's brilliant, and he's yeah. just a stalwart example for any up and coming midfielders that we might have. He would so. be an excellent example to them.
2: By the way, in case
1: anybody thinks
2: he's gonna, I'm gonna put him in my lineup. Uh, no. <laughs> 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 Because he's not going to get picked, but he should get. I picked. mean, I mean, if if you were
0: if you had the balls to to say it, mate, you might earn some points. But I doubt it. If we only <laughs> have two options. To in the, you end. There.
1: <laughs> the, the word the word <laughs> might is doing an awful lot yeah. of
0: work. <laughs> <laughs> right, this podcast is huge, so let's wrap things up, boys.
2: Cameron, do you want to
0: tell us how the Yeti lads table looks after another lovely so... football?
2: Depending on whether I unjustly get Dr. Point, I'll be sitting in second on zero, a solid zero goose egg. Uh, Dan's redeemed himself slightly uh, with uh, a debate with Point. Uh, Again, thoroughly undeserved in my opinion. (laughs) Um, Richard, no change. Uh, You, no change. Um, But I guess it all depends what Richard says uh, as to whether uh, we move around.
0: I think he'll feel very powerful whilst editing this. I right. <laughs> he'll
2: hate our guts. Sorry, sorry in advance, Richard. Yeah,
0: yeah be... I think he'll
1: feel more fatigued than powerful.
2: <laughs> Probably
0: so. But, you know, I like to dish out the pain. So enjoy, Richard. And uh, lads, cheers for coming on the podcast. All the best of luck to see against a powerful, powerful PSG. And uh, hopefully we'll be chatting through another blue one. Sunji bye, everybody. Sunji
1: bye. Sunji (laughs) bye.